Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. This week, I'm joined by a special guest co-host, Robin Geisen, as Tim Thompson's on vacation. And finally, we talk about Top Gun Maverick. It's here. After two and a half years of waiting, it's here. And we couldn't be more excited about it. We talk a little bit about the campaign and the great work that Paramount did opening this movie and its prospects for this weekend. And then we dive a little bit more into the Founders Brew newsletter and talk a little bit about Kareem Daniel and David Zasloff and what they mean for the industry and its future. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Hollywood Breaks. All right. So yeah, Top Gun Maverick. You're excited it's finally here. Woohoo! I'm so excited. After what? Two years of waiting? Two years? Top Gun is one of the best movies of all time. So, um, you know, it has, I would agree with it that. has big expectations going into it. And um, from what I hear, I have not seen it yet, but it delivers. So I can't wait. Yeah, I have it on good authority um, that it delivers mm-hmm. and on all cylinders. So I, I haven't bought my tickets yet. So please don't harass me, dear viewers, with your castigating comments about how I don't go to movies anymore. Uh, but I have not bought my tickets yet, but I am going to see it hopefully next week. Robin, are you going to see it this weekend? You said you were going to. We have tickets. And then until your plans change. <laughs> we have tickets for tonight in San Diego. Yeah. But my sister-in-law just called us and told us that she has COVID. So we're no longer going to San Diego, which means we also no longer have a babysitter for our children. So, um, you know, the work you can make it work. working against me. Do some magic. Do some magic. Work some magic in LA, right? Actually, can we use this podcast to to ask for a babysitter for me tonight? Sure. I need a babysitter, year old and a one year old. Um, they'll be asleep already. I'll go to a late showing. Just come and hang out on my couch. You want to do a? You might want to do a background check, and rather than, I mean, I'm sure our, our listeners yeah, and viewers I, are <laughs> top notch individuals, but <laughs> you never know. The internet can be a crazy place these days. I know it's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, so, what do you what do you think of number wise? What What are the the soothsayers that you hang out with out there in Los Angeles saying we're looking at as far as box office? I mean, people goes? are everywhere. Is this the official return of the movies? Yes. Could this be it? Yes. Part five. Uh, look, I think this is um, again. It's not. I, I think that all the movies that have come out, like arguably Spider Man, was the return, right? Like, or mm-hmm. Doctor Strange. Like people are coming out for events. And this is an event. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that will be interesting to see is who the audience composition is. You know, I, I actually, all the people who have withheld going from the movies tend to be that older audience, right? Who's a little bit more nervous about COVID, but also that's kind of the core for this franchise being that it's yeah. an over 30 year old, you know, film um, or sequel, I guess. Um, but it it is... Um, I think people are going to come out. I think this is an event. I think easily it's going to be Tom Cruise's best opening ever. Um, And easily. Old statement. Easily. Easily. And uh, which is surprising when I went back and looked at the numbers, like the, his biggest opening was in the sixties, which is crazy to me. Like he's such to me, like when I think movie star, the first name that comes to my mind, just because I'm old is Tom Cruise. Right. Like, uh, right, but he is—he's the enemy yeah. of the the movie star, right? Uh, for, right, because he gets it. He he just gets it. And uh, yeah. And by the way, I think that is going to be further cemented this weekend. I mean, previews last night were over nineteen million. Like, that's the highest in Paramount history for previews and Memorial Day weekend. Wow! Like, it's going to. Wow. People were saying over a hundred uh, for the three day, which yeah 
think that's a very safe bet now, especially after. I think that's a very safe bet. Yes. Um, Yep. And I also think it very, it very much bodes well for this movie because when you think about who that core audience is too, they're not always coming out on opening weekend. They tend to wait and come to the movie. So I think this is going to run and it's going to play and play and play. Kudos to Mark Weinstock, amazing campaign and kudos to Chris Aronson for uh, sticking to this distribution strategy. And and, I mean, they're geniuses over there. And I, I mean, I'm biased because I, know them and have worked with them both. Um, but I'm better. Thank you for clarifying your bias. <laughs> but I'm better because of it, because of working with yes. them. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, friends. yeah, I, I agree. And I applaud their campaign. I, I, as I remarked in my newsletter this week, it was quite impressive to finally see an old school, big budget, you know, summer movie campaign again. Like we haven't, I, I don't feel like we've seen these and, I would argue to your earlier point about why I think this this could potentially mean a sort of softening and a more excitement about a return to movies is it's not a superhero movie. Yeah. What we've seen over the course of the last two years is the movies that really drive people to the theaters now are, are superhero movies. Those are the ones that have all had the big openings. Um, there have been middling opens here and there, like Sonic, which was based on a video game, but could arguably kind of fall into that same rubric of superhero comic book video game. Um, and there was Scream, obviously, which w- did somewhat okay, but that was like a reboot. So, I mean, this is the continuation of a movie that was released, what, 30 plus years ago, I think? Yeah. Um, and to your point, it, it, I think the fact that the audience is is running as on the older side, because I think this is more of a nostalgia play, obviously, and um, you know, it it will be interesting to see if it. I think it will, to your point, do well. I, I'm I'm going to take the over. I think it's probably going to do around 125 if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, just because it feels like it has momentum, it it's everywhere. And again, to your point earlier, that's a credit to Mark and his team that they, they just built this campaign, and it seems to be the only movie they're working on. Yeah. And you and I have experience with that when we worked on Avatar. It was the only movie we worked on for three straight months. Yeah. And I get the sense that's kind of what Paramount has done here, where they just kind of cleared the skids a little bit and said, okay, we have to focus on this movie 100%. It's all about this movie. Um, and it had a very, from what I've read, a very impressive P&A spend. Um, so I, I think it's great to see that coming back. And I'm hoping this means that, you know, this will continue on through the summer. Um, you know, we have some other movies coming out this weekend. Um, so, uh, you know, but I think this is definitely going to be the one that swallows all, you know, Bob's Burgers coming out from 20th Century Studios, which I think is just going to be a blip. It's funny, I heard a radio spot today and my wife says, doesn't tell me anything about the movie. And I'm like, Sarah, this is not a movie that is supposed to, this is not a movie that's going to drive a broad audience. They know who their audience is and they're just reminding them, hey, this is coming out this weekend. Other than that Top Gun thing. So you should probably check this out, check out this yeah. movie. So Look, I think Top Gun The Edge too is it's in the widest theater count ever in history, right? Yep. Like it, so mm-hmm. it's, um, and there's nothing really else out there for people to go see that they haven't right. seen already. So in a way, COVID yep. has done it a favor in clearing the release schedule for them. Um, yeah. And them sticking to that release date was genius. Um, and pushing it out for two years, I think also um, 
you know, to fight for that theatrical release, I think was really smart and it's going to pay off for them this weekend. I really do think that, um, look, anything over a hundred is a giant win for them and they're going to do that. I think easily. So, right. uh, you know, I, yeah. I'm with you. I'm taking me over. I will say like, I was watching, you know, I was watching this is us cause I'm a sappy girl and I love that show. And, um, and it's amazing. And, uh, like I just enjoy sitting there and crying for an hour. It's kind of sad. I don't that says about me, but Dan Fogelman is good at getting you to cry. That's his big, his, his one pure strength. He can get everybody to cry at any point. It's so good. Um, but even in there, like, and, and look, everybody, by the way, was buying spots in that, um, which also oh, yeah. the media strategy still like there, it's still, people are still watching TV and still. And, yeah. And oh yeah. This is us. But um, the spot I saw for Top Gun that was in that was so genius. It was like a 15 second spot. It was so fast and it was a review spot. And I mean, when they have 97% mm -hmm. on Rotten Tomatoes, they obviously have yeah. like their pick of the litter of whatever they want to use for reviews. Right. But I wrote down some right. of the, um, some of the things and it was like, what was it? Profound cinematic experience. Well, actually the very first thing that I noticed was it's genius. Like as soon as it comes on, the first word is maverick. Right. Like everyone knows who Maverick is. So it's immediately grabbing, yeah. grabs your attention. And it all it is, is, you know, what happens to you if you go through with this? And he says, I know what happens to everyone else if I don't. And that's it. That's like the only line from the movie that they show. And then it's just like, you know, a montage of all these amazing shots, whether it's Tom Cruise on his bike racing against the jet and the sunset in the background. And then the guys <laughs> on the beach playing with a ball reminiscent of the very first one playing volleyball, which yeah, like, love. you know, all I hear is <laughs> playing with the boys, right? Like, I'm so happy. <laughs> like, I'm hearing Danger Zone. I hear playing with the boys. Like, I, it's all there. And then up against right. it are these flashes of, um, I wrote it down, masterful. Next one, heart stopping. Next one, breathtaking. Next one, spectacular. And the very last one ends, right. or no, what a ride from Sharon Waxman, the, the rap. Like, and then the last one, <laughs> Seriously, says they have this quote, which is even um, amazing in itself. One of the greatest movies ever made. Like, I don't know what better review, like, quote you can get than that. Right. And all right, well, it was brilliant. Okay. I'm going to pay a little bit of devil's advocate. Yep. On this one. Does that really work anymore? Because uh, I'm going to pretend, I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play. My wife does this to me all the time because after years of me living and working in Fox and working in the industry, she gets tired when we're watching a show and I stop it to go back and watch the TV spot. Yeah. And I go through it. And like, to me, I think those kinds of spots are just sort of a way to almost placate talent in some, some regard because that's a tried and true formula but whether or not it actually works i'm not convinced i'm not convinced that somebody saw that movie that spot now you i'm i want you to counter me because that's that's what i that's what i want so give me a second mm -hmm. finish what i'm gonna say uh i'm not entirely sure that that is going to convince someone to buy a ticket because to your point about quotes yes they have their pick, which is amazing. Yes. But you can also go to a, a critic and say, hey, can we say this? Because you kind of inferred it in your article. And the critic will be, oh, yeah, sure, that's fine. 
I mean, I would love to see the attribute who said best movie ever, because I'm sure it's, you know, so and so. Did you get the attribute? It was at Geek Tech. What? Of, of course. <laughs> Some guy it. probably saw it. Yeah. So, all right. Again, I'm not, I'm a little on the, on the fence on this one, but my, my wife would say that doesn't convince anyone to see the movie. And I'm like, okay, so pretend you have to make the argument to my wife of why that's an effective spot. Okay. Are you ready? Now this might open a bigger can of worms, but go ahead. No, it's not. This is actually, I think a very easy answer for me. Um, it, It works when the movie works. When the movie delivers, like this one does, and it's it doesn't work in a vacuum by itself. It works when it's an anchor to the campaign that they just delivered. That's okay. And because all it does is reiterate what you said earlier, I can't look anywhere without seeing Top Gun everywhere I look. Yeah, I hear from everyone. It's a ninety-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It is nineteen million in previews. Like. Uh, you know, all uh, uh, you're hearing it from every angle. So then all, right. you're watching a TV spot and it's a 15 second spot of, you know, Maverick and with every single shot that you love and remember, it's reminiscent of the original movie. It was, it's a genius spot because it, it's, it is a genius spot because psychologically it, it brings you back to Top Gun, but it shows you all new footage, right? And it's right. just like, to me, that was, um, that was the nail in the coffin for them. And you know what? Does it work? We'll see this weekend. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I will give you that. And, you know, now that I think about it, it you know, the fact that, because mo- the, the argument against it would be that, well, people fast forward to that stuff anyway, but you're still going to see the words pop up. So that yeah. in and of itself, I haven't seen the spot, but I imagine the words are take up the whole screen. And it's like, so when you, if you're fast forwarding, you're just going to see the words hard stopping, blah, blah, blah. Also, I will argue you know, this. So. On a regular show, on a regular night um, for that show, I would say, yes, they do fast forward. But when it's This Is Us in their last two to three episodes ever, their series finale, people are watching it live. They're like, that is live viewing for, for the core audience of This Is Us. So they are, I right. think, watching it in real time. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, well, you're right. We'll see how, I mean, I think the campaign has been great. They've, they've really just been hammering it on all sides. Yeah. You see it everywhere you go. Yeah. So I think, and that's sort of the point of a big summer blockbuster type campaign. And so again, uh, you know, kudos to Mark Weinstock. And as you said, Chris Aronson, um, I wonder though, and in, in my, in my mind, I'm also wondering if Tom Cruise hadn't been so adamant about keeping it, in theaters, whether or not they would have broke and like, released it on the streamer. But we'll never know. Once again, Tom proves why he's Tom Cruise. He was right to do that. And um, yeah. good, to, good for him. Good for every single person who fought to do this because yeah. that that's not only just fighting for that movie, that's fighting for movie going. That isn't the superhero movie going. Like this is going to... Yeah. This is going to prove, not that we need to prove it, because I don't... I, I actually have always been in the camp of like, movies aren't over. You just have to be an event. But this is going to show that you don't have to be a superhero movie just to succeed. Like you just have to be, you have to deliver a good movie right. under a reasonable budget for which you made it. Right. And, yeah. and you have to be an event of some sort for somebody. If you're not an event for someone, then you're an event for no one. You're an event for no right? one. Yeah. We, we say that all the time, the Tony Sella yep. special. And he's right. <laughs> he's right. And uh, yeah. 
that that's where um, I think they're going to prove it. Now, you know, you and I had discussed this before. We were talking about the competition that it's going to face this weekend, yeah. specifically for uh, you know, well, a lot of crossover audiences for both of these other big projects, not Bob's Burger, yep. but Stranger Things <laughs> drops yep. uh, seven episodes, which is a wash in '80s nostalgia. So. <laughs> Which I'm completely fine with, by the way. And uh, yes. and then Obi-Wan Me Kenobi's too. dropping two episodes. So Keith, what do you think is going to, you know, what do you think that's going to do for the box office? I, it's funny because we, when we had Cami Sargent on a few weeks ago, we talked a little bit about this because Cami actually brought this up when um, she was working on, um, I think it was called City of Gold, the Sandra Bullock. The Lost City. Uh, Lost City. Thank you. Um there was she had a concern that Bridgerton was dropping the same weekend that it's a very much a crossover audience and if you look at the uh the weekend that that obviously wasn't a factor um but I think the one x factor with regards to that now I don't know if Bridgerton released all their episodes at once or whether or not they do a weekly yeah I don't watch Bridgerton so I don't know um but I know that uh, that Stranger Things did dump all seven episodes Mm -hmm. and as you said obi-wan has two episodes now i imagine most of the people who are doing this have kids um much like you and i who are nostalgic for top gun um so it will and and this is a memorial day weekend and it's a memorial day weekend for the first time in a long time where covid's still a factor but for most people covid's over and it's just something that's there that they just have to be aware of. And so there's a lot of competing factors. I don't necessarily think it's going to, I, I don't think it's going to be, a, I, I don't think it's going to affect the box office overall because I feel like there's going to be that pull of sort of like, I want to see this on the big screen almost. Cause it, it has those, you see some of those shots in the spots. And you're like, wow, I need to see that in the big screen. Cause that does not, that is not going to comport on a small screen. And, you know, Stranger Things has been a little uneven. I don't watch it, but from what I've read and people I've talked to, the last few seasons have been a little rocky. So there's that. And then Obi-Wan Kenobi, well, yeah, it's great, but it's not going anywhere. You know, it's got, they're going to release two episodes. It's going to be there. Top Gun's not going to be in theaters forever. So I think when people start to weigh their value propositions, they're going to be like, you know what? Top Gun's going to be there Stranger Things is going to be there forever. And, you know, I don't really have as much FOMO about Stranger Things as I do about seeing Top Gun in the theater. So I think Top Gun's going to win out on that bet yeah. if I had to wager a guess. Yeah. What about, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I think, look, I think you kind of hit hit the nail on the head when you said um, Stranger Things and Obi-Wan aren't going anywhere. Like, they're not, right. I think what we've learned throughout COVID is people have started to get used to, I, I think they've started to um, be comfortable in this world that we're living in now um, in entertainment consumption. And they've kind of mm-hmm. ha- figured out a rhythm for themselves, right? Of whether it's like, you know, we'll watch one episode on Monday or Tuesday or, you know, whatever. I think people kind of have gotten in that little uh, rhythm for themselves. Now, Top Gun, Um, it's going to be in theaters for, you know, a a while, but what isn't going to be there is the audience, um, on opening weekend altogether. This is a movie that, um, I think it's going to be, I think people 
aren't even thinking this, but subconsciously they are, which is I want to be part of this opening, right? Like I want to be there to experience the love for this, this now franchise, right? Like, and I think that that's going to be part of it and that's going to play into it. There's, there's urgency. They have done what every studio tries to do with every marketing campaign. They have done it. They have created urgency for Top Gun. Mm-hmm. And it's going to, I think that's going to deliver for them. And that's going to end up, um, you know, taking out Stranger Things. Not taking out. It's Everyone's going to watch Stranger Things and everyone's going to watch Obi-Wan. But they're just going to do it on their own time. And or they'll go to an early showing of Top Gun and then they'll come home and release the babysitter and stay awake and watch an episode of <laughs> right? Like that's what I'm planning on doing. Like people will do people aren't gonna figure it out. And um there isn't I don't think there's gonna be an urgency uh there as much for Stranger Things and as much for um Obi-Wan because what you said too, it's been a long time and people want to get out this weekend. People want to just experience events again and this is this is that yeah i mean i agree i think this is this is an opportunity that i think nobody really wants to miss and i think they're going to do very well this weekend so again congrats to paramount and everybody over there for a rock star campaign as i said in my newsletter it's great to have balls to the wall marketing back again because i've missed it over the last couple of years it is um but it but it's another thing that you brought up that i think is very interesting it, you know, you talk a lot about the shifting um, you know, consumption habits of moviegoers and consumers in general. Yeah. And, you know, as I mentioned at the top of, this, of the show, it seems that people are, you know, particularly in Hollywood, are, are excited about this because it's not a uh, superhero movie and does this mean movies are really back? And it kind of got me thinking a lot about some of the changes that are occurring in Hollywood right now. And, you know, we talked a lot, a lot last week in last week's episode about Cream Daniel, the now head of Disney's media and entertainment distribution division. Um, and then there was a piece this past week um, about David Zasloff, the new CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery. And um, what struck me about both of those, and I did, I covered this a little bit in my newsletter too, and I'd be interested to get your thoughts as well. So for Kareem, it seems like the idea of taking away the P&L and basically the overall distribution strategy away from sort of the content creators mm. is unprecedented in Hollywood in mm. my mind. Like the fact that the head of distribution for Disney Studios reports to Kareem and not to Alan Bergman, that's like a whole new sea change. Um, and the fact that he's sort of, he's not a creative, but he's able to take a sort of um, unromantic look at the data and determine where the movie is best served versus just saying, you know, someone like an Al, who has a background like Alan Bergman would probably say, I want this to be in theaters. Like, there's no doubt. Whereas Kareem could say, oh yeah, well, look at the numbers. This says this kind of movie is going to do better on streaming. And then you shift to the article about David and what, what I thought was great about what, you know, because obviously it was a source piece, you know, Ari Emanuel spoke and there, there was a lot of information. So David, I think, was probably involved in the crafting of this article. It said, you know, he said uh, when he was talking about the latest Clint Eastwood movie. And he said to the executives, why did you make this movie? Yeah. And they said, well, he's made a lot of good films for us. And, and he's like, well, we're not doing that anymore because this doesn't make any sense. 
And there are movies I've worked on, I will not say which, where that was very much the argument for the reason the movie was made. It was because, oh, we've done this before with other students. This guy's given us good movies. This gal's given us good movies. So now we need to sort of, quote unquote, repay the favor, even though everyone probably knows. I mean, you've been in those meetings when you're sitting there and you, everyone knows the movie's going to tank. But because of who's behind it, Yep. And you don't want to sour that relationship and nobody wants to have that awkward conversation. Right. It's just, okay, we're just going to keep dumping money at this and try to save it. Right. So, I mean, I think these are all, and there was another part of the article where David said, like, we're going to, and he literally sent us the entire company. We're going to start investing in data and have a better sense of what's going to work. And this again, and this is another point that I hammer over and over again, that Kevin Getz mentioned on it when we had him on as a guest, it's like, there's a way to be a smart filmmaker and, and a smart studio. And a lot of studios don't want to have that conversation. They just want to make what they want to make because they've dreamed of making this movie since they were a wee toddler or whatever, when they were back wherever they were from and watching it in the theater. Like, I want to make a sequel to that. And arguably you could say that was probably what happened with Top Gun. A lot of people that worked at Paramount always dreamed that they wanted to work at Paramount because that's where Top Gun came from. But the flip side of that argument would be, well, Paramount was very smart about what they spent. They didn't go nuts. They were very r- rational in terms of how they spent. And they delayed it two years to ensure that they, you know, they get maximum box office. All very difficult decisions, but they made the right ones. So I'm wondering, and, and I posit that this, this may be a sea change that's happening. It will, I argue it's not necessarily enough. And we've been down this road before where we get people who show up and say, I'm going to, I'm going to change the world basically. And this is, I'm, I'm the new, I'm the new chief. And now to be fair to David, he does have a track record of success in terms of turning companies around. He did it with discovery. You know, some would say that he damaged the brand a little bit by turning it into a giant reality TV house versus a educational channel. But again, it's show business, not show friends. And he made money for the stockholders and he made money for the company. And that's what his charge is. And they're sitting there with $55 billion worth of debt after this merger. So we have to save money. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with, you know, Kareem's and Disney, they're looking at Disney Plus being like this giant, you know, potential uh, streamer that could take down Netflix. And there's only so many Marvel, Lucasfilm movies and Disney characters, you, uh, animated movies you can remake. So you've got to maximize as much as possible. So I would be curious, what do you think? Do you think this is just a, is, is this going to mark a major shift or are we sort of just, is this just a blip until everything snaps back to the way it's always been? Um, yeah. I mean, look, I, I think to talk about each one of them, look, let's talk about both of them, Kareem and Zasloff. Like, I think they're both, I think they're all doing the right things. I agree with their, mm-hmm. um, I agree with, uh, not making cry macho for that amount of money. I agree with that. Yeah. He's right. And when he said, what was it? It's not, it's, it's show business, not show friends. Right. Um, not show friends. Right. Yep. He's right. And, uh, and here's the thing, what we need to say to filmmakers and what we need to be brave to do and what I think he is doing. And, and I appreciate it because it needs to be done um, across every distribution outlet, every studio yep. and every creative um, content distributor, which is um, I'm not saying let's not make your movie that you want, that you're passionate about. I'm saying I'm only going to make it for this amount, right? And because this is where the upside is. 
Yeah. That's the conversation that we need to have. Like, I'm not saying let's not do it. I'm saying let's do it smart. Right. So mm-hmm. that the, those are conversations that should be had. That's where marketing should be part of each and every single decision that is made as it relates to what movies we decide to make. Right. Right. And um, so I love, I love that he's doing that. I love that he's calling them out and saying that. I think he was brilliant to pull the plug on CNN plus like people aren't going to pay for their news. Like I, I don't, right. and, and, and the thing is, is they're calling it content, but that's, I don't know that people want their news to be content. I think people just want the news, you know? So it's also, right. uh, there was, there was a disconnect there. And I think he was right uh, to pull the plug on that. I think both of them are making smart decisions. I mean, look, Kareem is kind of this, you know, everyone, if the worst thing that they can say about you is that you're understated and you're this like mystery man, right? Is what they're saying. <laughs> you're already winning. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think that's a bad yeah. thing. But yeah. having said that, like what he does need to do, I, I look, I appreciate a man who can put his head down or a woman, like a person who can just put their head down and do the work, right? Like, That's my kind of person. Those are the people I like to work with because they're there for the right reasons and they're just getting stuff done. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. He's just doing the job. However, what, when you're in that position at a very high level, the thing that he does need to do that he hasn't done yet that I think would benefit Kareem is he can't let it get too far to where others control his narrative because then it, then it gets out of control and um, look, yeah. he's in a good position where he's the right hand man and everybody trusts him. But like what I see Kareem doing from afar is like, and I don't know Kareem, I, I've never worked with him, but just from what I'm seeing and the decisions that are getting made and just coming at it from an outside uh, perspective is like, it sounds to me like he's getting the job done. It sounds to me like he's trusting all of his people to make those decisions. Um, it mm-hmm. sounds to me like he's not a micromanager. Um, like all of these things. are Hallelujah. Like, these are good things. He trusts his team. Yes. And and by the way, he's making the right decisions, you know, turning red and Luca, like I, I remember talking about Luca before. Now, like, I think that those were both the right decisions to not go theatrical from the start. I do think right. with Luca, they could have come in. I've, I've said this before on the podcast where I think that like once they saw that there was an audience there and there weren't anybody, there wasn't anybody in theaters, like, in order to get people to go to theaters, they could have experimented with that once they got the groundswell. But initially, that's a hard movie to sell, right? Like when you think of the content of what you're selling, of like what what Luca was about. It's about two sea monsters. They're not cute, right? Like it's you're not gonna right. you're not getting minions. Like you're not getting the kids being like, oh, their minions are so cute. They're they, they're kind of right. sea monsters, and you can't relate because right. the their whole the whole reason they want to be people is so they can go ride a Vespa. Like that's not, there's no stakes. There's nothing, there's not much to sell there. Now the movie's wonderful, but from a marketing standpoint, you know, in a two minute trailer, that's, that's a tough sell. The tough message. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a tough sell. Tough message to get out there. After yeah. the fact, I think that they could have played with it a little bit in theaters. Now turning red is a movie that I think was brilliant. I know a lot of people were like, why aren't they putting that on, you know, big screens, but it's because the movie was for a more mature kid. Yeah. It's all about kind of puberty and like coming of age in a way that like, that's also a tough sell, right? Like <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to take my four-year-old to go see that movie because I don't want to answer those questions yet. You know, like I'm not ready for right. that. I'm not ready to talk about periods with her. Like, yeah. and that's yeah. a big part of that movie. And it's important for the audience right. it's made for. Um, but 
you know, I think it was smart to release it because it also protected the property. Um, so while it may upset other people, I think in the long run, it was the right choice. Um, I think yeah. they're, they're both doing the right things. That's what I think. It's interesting. I never really thought about that, but it seems like there was definitely a conversation with marketing about how yeah. to position those movies. Cause you're right. The one thing that I always found so difficult about our jobs is we were always asked after the fact yeah. <laughs> of like, all right, now you got to sell it. How are you going to sell this? And I'm like, oh, I have no idea. And I always felt like we were always saving the movie from itself. I know. In a lot of ways. And that's just not our job. They bring us in and, as the firefighter after the house has already yeah. burned down. Already burned down. We exactly. That's exactly right. You know, like it's, it, and that's, that's a broken process. And so I, yes. I think it's smart to approach it the way that they're both doing. I think, um, you know, look, I, I think they're both showing that, they're making right decisions so far. So good. Nobody bats a thousand. Right. But so far I think they're yep. both uh, doing some good things. And like, that's the one thing with Kareem is like, I just, what he should be careful with is making sure that others don't control his narrative. Yeah. Cause that could get out of control for him. Yeah. I, I think, I think you're definitely right. I think that that's a really, really good point because he is kind of letting the narrative kind of slip away from him a little bit and letting other people speak on his behalf. Yes. Which is not necessarily smart. I like, get he wants to be understated. He's not. He didn't grow up in the well. He didn't start in the industry. He started at Goldman Sachs, and then he eventually migrated over to Disney, and you know became Chapix number two, which is great. But in a town like that, where it's so small and insular and it's so relationship based, you really do have to work to control your narrative, especially when you're in a high profile position like that. Yeah. Um, and I think he's going to have to really work. I mean, it, it's. It's interesting because you contrast the two pieces. Like you look at the Kareem Daniel piece, which is very much sourced from people who otherwise had dealt with Kareem in sort of a tangential way. Yeah. And then obviously the Wall Street Journal piece was very sourced. And obviously Zaslav probably signed off on it because you got Ari Emanuel talking about him. You got all these other, you know, direct access to things he said at meetings. Like, so clearly there it was like, yeah, we got to do. And that's smart. And Zaslav is a smart guy and he clearly knows I got to control the narrative on this because I know, because we all know in a couple of weeks, there's going to be massive layoffs because again, he's got to deliver on the savings that he promised to all the investors and layoffs are going to be a part of that. Yeah. But I think he's trying to get ahead of that narrative by saying, you know what? That's only one part of it. Yes, there are going to be have to be cuts, but look, you know, we killed CNN plus. We are redo we're redoing TBS Turner um, um, Turner Networks. They're not going to be making any uh, new shows anymore. They're just basically going to be like outlets for sports mm -hmm. and second run movies. Right. And then you know, and then Warner Bros. We're not going to be making terrible decisions anymore. And you know what? I'm going to reach out to J.K. Rowling and say, "Hey, let's create a, a Warner uh, Harry Potter universe," which to me is like a duh, but a seems like a good idea. It seems like a good idea. Like, why not reach out to her? So, you know, it's, it, it, I think there's definitely, you're right. There's the, the two pieces were so different and Zaslav has made a concerted effort to show that, you know, I'm going to control the narrative a little bit where it's Kareem is sort of like, I'm just going to sit back and not talk about myself, which I can understand the impulse, especially if you're more introverted and you like to, like you said, the great thing about work, like it doesn't matter. Right. But unfortunately, but it, but in it, our business, it kind of does sometimes. It kind of does. Because yes. Some people, and I, I mean, I agree with you. We'll take it's it great to work with people who just want to sit down and like 
work and don't get caught up in the trappings of the business and just really like, you know, I always refer to Mark Platt's quote when he was being interviewed in Variety and he's, you know, they, he, the interviewer was commenting how he had pictures of his family behind him, not like movie posters. And he said, well, you know what? This is what I do. It's not who I am. And there are so many people who just get wrapped up in this, like, oh, this is who I am. This is all me. The industry is everything about, I live and eat, sleep and breathe this. And clearly Kareem is trying to maintain that sort of, this is just my job. Right. But when you have a high profile job like that, that you have to kind of walk a line a little bit. And I think, you know, we'll see how it goes, but I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm optimistic that they are, as, as you said, making some really smart moves. I, I, look, I think I don't so. need, I don't think I need Kareem to go out and be as extroverted as Zaslav either. I'm not asking for right. that, but at some point, um, he is going to have to be front and center throughout certain moments. Right. And yeah. he can pick and right. choose what those moments are and he should, right. but um, I think it's wonderful that he trusts his team to do all these things. And he's just the guy from the background yeah. and he has a good perspective and he's not the kind of guy who pats himself on the back. I don't even need him to pat himself on the back. I just do. Right. He needs to be, um, we need to hear his voice. Right. And in a mm-hmm. way, um, otherwise the press and, you know, press does what press does and they're gonna, they're gonna control. Especially Hollywood press. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to control that. Love gossip. They're going to control that for him. And that can be dangerous because it also not might not necessarily even be true. And that's where he really needs to just make sure he uh, takes the reins to protect his team, too. He's going to have to do that. When you're in that role, that high profile, you're going to have to do some sort of leadership. You have to take it on in some way. And however he chooses yeah. to do that is great, but he just needs to hold on to his own narrative. That's what I think he needs to do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the next few weeks bring and months and whatnot. Um, well, Robin, listen, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate you stepping in for Mr. Tim Thompson, who is um, gallivanting around Europe at the moment with his family, um, getting a much needed break. Uh, he will return next Friday with us. So all you loyal viewers who are missing Tim, uh, he will be back tomorrow. Uh, sorry, next week, not tomorrow. We're not doing two episodes this week. Don't worry. Um, but thanks again, Robin. I appreciate you stopping by and uh, enjoy Maverick. We'll have to uh, exchange our views once we both see it. And then we uh, have you back on and we can talk in depth about uh, our the pluses and minuses. Hopefully there'll be more pluses than minuses. Oh, for sure. So. For sure. Uh, all right. Thanks again, Robin. Thank you so much. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>